Good morning. This is the Hermit at Lock Ear. I blog at jmichaeljoneswriter, uh, W-R-I-T-E-R.com. Uh, today is July 2nd, uh, 4th of July weekend. It's a very lovely day. I'm actually here on the lake, Lake Erie, we say, uh, in America. I call it Lock Ear for my podcast. Um, and I want to just give you a visual. I'm sitting in a wooden boat tied to the dock of this, uh, I think it's about 1,100 uh, acre lake. Uh, and on the opposite side, we have a mountain that's about, uh, it's about a thousand feet that rises directly up out of the far side of the lake. And although we're not that far from a, a village of Anacortes, uh, it is, it feels like a remote um, uh, lake in the mountains. Uh, I've been entering, or I'm saying I'm entering my fourth year as a social isolate, a hermit, and uh, not by choice. Uh, I went through a stem cell transplant and had to be isolated, and then COVID hit. Now, COVID risk is coming down, but um, I'm on a new chemo program that's really uh, put me in a box that I'm exhausted all the time and uh, hardly leave the house anymore. So, once again, I'm in this period of my life of being a hermit. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, I want to continue on this discussion uh, <coughs> regarding uh, science and religion. And this has turned into a much bigger uh, uh, project than I had planned. I plan on doing one or two episodes. I think this is at least episode four, and I'll call it a conversation about uh, religion and science. I think it's a very important topic. And the impetus of this, as I mentioned before, was having a conversation with several evangelicals who um, had a belief system, especially in areas of science, that are completely contradictory to all the evidence. And as I said before, you can have two really smart people who research all the evidence and come up with two different opinions about that evidence. But I'm talking about a profound disregard for evidence when it comes to like COVID, a vaccine they said are extremely dangerous, that thousands of people are dying from the vaccine that's been hidden by the government. Um, global warming is a myth. And these things, you know, and you think, why are we even talking about this as far as a different perspective from a Christian versus a normal person or someone in society? And it, and I don't get off on a tangent, but it reminds me once uh, I said to a roommate of mine um, years back in college that uh, I wonder if life exists on other planets. He got very angry and said, of course they don't. Uh, scripture is clear about that. Of course, the Bible doesn't say anything about life on other planets. It's just that uh, that social culture comes up with all these uh, uh, mandates of how to see the world and nothing can contradict that. But this new age that we're living in, uh, there's a complete loss of trust in science uh, and not just science. I hate to use this word science because it's been given a bad name, but in the whole field of epistemology of, of understanding, finding truth. Um, and that's what my, if I have a campaign, that's my campaign. So I'm going to tie together these pieces that I've been sewing over the last few weeks. Um, and that the way that humans find truth uh, in this area of epistemology, um, and you can look at this from an evolutionary standpoint, if, if you feel more comfortable with that, you can look at it as a creator, creating this way. But it is clear that the way that we process new information correctly is by using the part of our brains, a part of us, the rational part or the cognitive part, 
Um, and, and I believe that that's the way God created us. Uh, evolutionists would say that's the way things have evolved over time. That's to how we evaluate new information or new evidence uh, to come up with conclusions is, is by looking at it cognitively. Now, competing for that is our emotional cells, which is from the limbic system of the brain that processes things emotionally. And that's a very valuable system. Uh, it's not a good system for evaluating new information, uh, but it does play a role in processing uh, of, of, of old information. And I'm gonna call it, for sake of this lecture or this uh, conversation, uh, a bias. Uh, emotional uh, reasoning is a bias. And I'm gonna, before I get into the negative parts about this bias, I'm gonna say that on the positive side, I gave the illustration once about um, seeing a, say a tribe of people move to a new place where there's, for the first time they encounter poisonous snakes. Well, when they first encounter poisonous snakes, they'll use a cognitive process. They, the snake bit this person, that person died. And you can make a cognitive mathematical evaluation that that snake bite was connected with that person's death. And then it can become an emotional bias that every time you hear the rattle of that snake, rattlesnake, of course, in this case, um, you flee for your life. So the emotional bias can have a role uh, in, in how we evolved or how God had created us. Um, now for religious people, you go beyond uh, the evidence of looking at it from a cognitive way and, a, and an emotional way or this bias. And, and I would say just one more thing about bias that it, most time it's a socially uh, uh, structured uh, bias. And I, last time I talked about social structures of small groups or big groups and how they come up with, there's two ways to define them by boundaries, what's the edge of the, that social group and by rules. And I'll talk more about that later. But for religious people, they will also add scripture and gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, means that God spoke to me directly. Uh, I'm, I'm personally very skeptical of that. They say never question someone's spiritual experience. But of all the bad things that's ever happened in religion, it almost always starts with a, quote, gnosis, or a, a truth directly from God. It turns out to be a farce um, that turns into cults and abuse and all kinds of things. And then the third thing that um, the, the, the religious people would use is tradition or church, uh, church mandates. Um, now, I was talking about bias. It's not always bad, but bias uh, <clears throat> can have a very negative effect in our ability to find truth. And I'm going to give an example of this. Um, and I was not going to use this example, but it's come up again. It's, it's regarding Clarence Thomas the uh, Superior Court uh, Justice. Now, when he was nominated to be a Supreme Court Justice, I think in 1991, and some of people are old enough to remember this, that um, he was challenged by a, a, a colleague, a, a, a lawyer, Anita Hill, who said he was uh, uh, involved in sexual harassment against her. And they had a hearing in Congress to hear her side of the story and his side of the story. Now, of course, the conservatives wanted Thomas to be a, a, a judge and for what's happened now that they hoped that he would overturn Roe versus Wade and he finally did. Um, and then the liberals uh, were, were certainly concerned about Thomas becoming a, a judge based on his prior experience. 
So anyway, I was at uh, I was attending a big evangelical church at the time. I was right in this transition period of my life of trying to tr make sense out of my evangelical background. And I remember going out in a parking lot right in the middle of all this. And one of my friends, evangelical friends, came up and said, Bad Anita Hill, she's nothing but a whore. And I stood there appalled. I just stared at it. <laughs> I think, you know, until this day, I have no idea which one was telling the truth. Because it was... Uh, Clarence Thomas said, absolutely, these things are not true. Anita Hill said, absolutely, these things were true. It's his, she said, versus he said. Now, in a court of law, in these situations, when it comes to sexual harassment, most of the time, the woman is right. But I can't make that inference in this situation. But how could this evangelical man stand there and say that Anita Hill was a whore? And it's because of his bias. And his bias wasn't based on any evidence. I can guarantee you he never looked at any of the evidence of her workplace situation, of Thomas Hill. He may have listened to some of the hearings, I don't know. Um, but it was based on his bias from his evangelical society that he was in, which wanted Thomas to become a judge and therefore twist all evidence in that direction of that narrative. Now, just concluding about this story, uh, in 2002, uh, David Brock wrote, no, actually, I'm sorry, 1992, David Brock wrote a book called The Real Anita Hill, and it was a total character assassination. And I don't know if this guy had read that book. I can't remember if this was 91 or 92 when he said that to me. But in the evangelical community, Anita Hoare was seen as a whore. You know, I hate to use that term, but that's really how she was seen. David Brock in 2002 came out with a confessional that he made up the whole story about Anita Hill and he did it for political purposes because he wanted to see Thomas uh, put in as judge. So his character assassination to, of Anita Hill was intentional. It was false. All the evidence in his book was false. He said that he made it up and he did it for political reasons. But yet the evangelical community until this day, I'm sure, completely believes his book. Um, but that's just an example of how bias uh, can really influence um, the way we process information and in trying to find truth. Now, I'm going to get, I'm getting closer to the, <laughs> the essence of this topic, and that is uh, the scientific method, for, or, this, or science versus the, uh, religion. And I'm going to uh, start to focus this more and more. Um, and I'm, I'm positive and say that, uh, I've said before, I do these podcasts, as long as one or two people are listening, I'll keep doing them because I feel like I'm, I have a voice that I don't hear much, uh, especially in the Christian world, um, and I'll keep repeating But I was finally able to analyze uh, uh, how many listeners I have because it was it's hard, and I, and I don't really care. You know, I'm not here. I know my podcasts are not the highest quality, um, and, and the topics are sometimes confusing. But I had 182 people who had signed up to listen through the various uh, uh, networks of listening. So I feel like I want to keep going. If my dear mom was still alive, I would say mom, my mother was sitting at her kitchen table listening to my talk 182 times. <laughs> uh, but that's not true. But when I come to science now, uh, I've spent, uh, as I said before, 30 years of my life deep, deep within the evangelical community. And evangelicals today will still claim that I've, I don't, I never took it seriously. I don't hate to use these terms, but hell yeah, I took it seriously. I was a missionary to Muslims as an evangelical, sold everything I had, packed my family, moved up overseas. So don't tell me I never took it seriously. 
and I had every spiritual experience that evangelicals can even think of. Um, <laughs> I was right in the thick of things. But um, I've also spent uh, uh, 38 years in the scientific world um, in the area of, uh, I worked in migraine, uh, headache treatment and research. And I was the director of research at a headache institution uh, in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan for two years. But I've been involved with scientific research um, throughout uh, those 38 years. Now I'm gonna say, I say I'm a candid person and I say things that get me in trouble with people all the time. And uh, it's not uncommon. I get letters, people tell me that I'm not a Christian or I'm not very spiritual. And you know, I just, I have to roll with it. That's just part of the territory. But I'm gonna say with great confidence, being in both the evangelical world and in the scientific world, the lust for truth is much, much higher in the scientific world than in the religious world. In the religious world, it's a lust for conforming to society, conforming to the evangelical society. That's the paramount issue. Now they'll, they'll label it with words like biblical. Every religious group in the world sees themselves as most consistent with their sacred text, and there's no exception to the evangelical. And we as the evangelical, we always talk about, we are biblical and beat our chest. We are biblical, you're not biblical. And um, that's a farce in my opinion, but the conformity is the number one issue. So that's the societal bias built in evangelicalism. Now I'm gonna address a bias within the scientific world because evangelicals like to project their, the way they use a bias onto the scientists, which is not accurate and which is not true. Yes, there is sometimes a bias in the scientific world, uh, I would suspect that in the 50s and 60s uh, time period, maybe a little bit before that, there was a period of time when it was very uh, unkosher or a very um, not cool to be a theist, a believer in God and work in science. But I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe in areas like anthropology, you'd run into that, but in the general hardcore uh, sciences, biology, uh, physics, those things, Actually, in astrophysics, uh, I've heard there's quite a few believers in God. Uh, but this idea that science is all built around a bias is bogus. Uh, and so the scientific method was actually developed in the 17th century. And it had it's seven parts. You ask the question, you perform research, you establish hypothesis, then you test your hypothesis, you make observations, analyze the results, and you present the findings. And it's very important that you remove bias. As they worked on this process of removing bias by the 19th century, I think it was, they came up with, at least in, uh, uh, in the experimental science, of coming up with a double blind study as a gold standard, because it removes if all bias. Um, the scientist comes in without a bias. Uh, now, uh, again, you, you'll run into occasional person who, a scientist who, who really wants something to be true and they will fudge data. That is very, very uncommon. And again, I've worked in that scientific world. I'm gonna give one other example as I'm quickly running out of time. Um, in our scientific journal called the, the Headache Journal that we did our research in, uh, the editor is a friend of mine and he got criticism by chiropractors who said he was biased because he wouldn't publish their material. And he told me privately, he said, I would love to publish the material. He said, I think it would be very interesting to see how chiropractic uh, treatment helped headaches or if it did help headaches. 
But he said, the problem is the studies are so awful. They'll say, you know, I did this treatment on my aunt and my sister and they had this response and therefore it works. Well, that's not a scientific study. It's open label. You know who got the treatment. Now, not to, I'm, I'm glad to say that there has been some chiropractic studies that did use a high standard of scientific research and some have actually shown improvement in headache treatment. But the issue, what I'm trying to say was that this editor was accused all the time of being a bias because his bias is simply wanting the truth. And the way you get to the truth is trying to remove bias first. Now in religious endeavors, when they approach a topic like global warming, like uh, uh, these, these <laughs> COVID, and I don't know why they got COVID. I think it's cause they've been taken over by the Republican party. And it was within the Republican party, they decided that COVID vaccine was uh, from the devil, I guess, or from Bill Gates or whatever conspiracy theory they came up with. But there's zero evidence for those things. But they come in with this bias and therefore the religious people do and therefore they can't even examine the evidence from a intellectual cognitive process it becomes an emotional process based on bias so it's same in religion and in politics you know you if you want to find truth you about a topic you would never go to someone who's a deeply political uh and you never go to someone who's deeply religious unfortunately uh, it shouldn't be that way i when i see um, the way I read the Bible, honesty is very important. Telling the truth is very important. Um, and this idea of, you know, you must have a bias. But the bias becomes this societal, evangelical societal mandate of what you must believe. And the evangelical community, uh, he's talking about different social structures, is a, has very thick walls. Uh, if you're inside the walls, uh, there's tremendous grace for you. Uh, you can be a Donald Trump and have sex with 2,000 uh, women, many of them married, most of them while you're married to someone else, and that's fine, no problem with that. But if you're outside those walls from the viewpoint of the evangelical and you're homosexual, then everything you do is garbage. As a matter of fact, one of the people I was talking to, one of my old evangelical friends, I could tell he hates evangelicals. He would he'd say he hates the sin. But he'd go, oh, he's evangelical, or he's, oops, that's a Freudian sip. Oh, he's a homosexual. Uh, disgusting. You know, he would say things like that and, he, and say things like CNN is, is a total, uh, has no truth because they have homosexuals who work for them. So that's a tremendous bias. And they'll claim it's biblical, but I can argue uh, has absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. It has to do, a lot to do with the history of the evangelical movement and how they started setting up these boundaries in the early 1900s under the fundamentals of faith, things you had to believe. And one of those, that the earth is 6,000 years old, that homosexuals are all going to hell. Um, that, and then in the 70s, that abortion was the number one issue which the Bible does not address. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of paring this down now to the final, uh, probably we'll have to do two more uh, talks uh, to finish this up. But I'm laying out the groundwork so people say, okay, the scientific community starts that there is no God. That is not true. They don't address whether God exists or not. I mean, you, and again, in the anthropology world, you might hear those statements more than in the other scientific world. So I hope this conversation has taken us a little bit further down this path. Next time, I hope to actually start getting into specifics, talking about uh, uh, evolution, talking about old earth, talking about uh, other scientific theories and how we uh, come to conclusions of truth. And that's my ultimate goal. Thanks again so much for listening.